how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 419, where I spoke with Andrew Newman, a children's book author and the creator of Conscious Stories. Andrew loves all things spiritual and creative. He's written books for families like The Hug Who Got Stuck or The Great Love of Rose and Thorn to help parents connect on those hectic days of growing and learning. In this interview, we talk about the web of sticky thoughts, explaining complex ideas to children, characterizing a hug, the breathing meditations in the books, when to protect work from feedback, the importance of the last 20 minutes of the day with your child, why he founded this independent book company, and the journey to selling 150,000 books. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also get my book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, based on this podcast for free over at brockswinson.com. That's the digital download and audiobook. Well, two factors to that. One is that when I started my personal development, I was not creative in any way, shape or form. And that was at the age of 30. And I came out of this four-year training with a lot of awareness about um, all of the things that had and hadn't happened in my childhood that, that had set me up to be the way I, 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 I am. Um, and I was, I was seeing that for all of my clients as well that I was working with therapeutically. And it's like, wow, we're all resolving our childhood issues. Let's see if we can, can, uh, uh, start a little bit younger and set kids on a better course. And I had come out of this program deeply connected to my creativity. And, uh, the combination just fits so nicely together that I get to be the writer and, uh, um, and uh, and the, the message carrier and the reminder and the, so there were so many things that I learned and so many things that I unlearned mm. um, in that journey. Um, I thought let's let's try put some good stuff into the world. So where do these ideas come from? Like, so you've got I've got two books in front of me: the Great Love of Rose and Thorn, and also the Hug Who Got Stuck. Yeah, um, I would say Rose and Thorn kind of reminded me of Beauty and the Beast, maybe a little bit, but the Hug Who Got Stuck is like. A little bit more difficult to express. I would, if anything, it's close to some of the Pixar movies about feelings, which is really complicated. So tell me about that initial idea and how you kind of figure out a way to simplify it. Yeah, very, very often um, the stories arrive as a as a, a spark of of inspiration, um, and that is true. That story, the hug who got got stuck, really interrupted an afternoon nap that I was trying to have one day, and uh, and I got the familiar tapping and picked up my pen and wrote it down. And um, and then, you know, the illustrator brings to life things that I can't bring to life. So in that story, we've got this little hug who's who's making its way through the mechanism of the hug factory, which is in the heart. And as it comes out of the door of the heart, it gets caught in the web of sticky thoughts. Um, and this is this is a classic thing that all of our personal development work tells us oh you're being too heady come connect to your heart follow your heart um don't you know your your mind your thoughts are you know potentially dangerous and going to get you into trouble um and uh and so in some way this is just a, a visual representation of that that uh um very human very natural thing that we have to navigate between 
head and heart and um, that often our world does go better when we lead from our heart but we also need to learn how to think clearly and concisely and and with discernment and uh, that's different to the, the the monkey mind and the sticky thoughts that are uh, pervasive for for most of us how did you get to the idea of the hug so it's kind of hard to describe i'll show some pictures maybe in our clip there but um as a hug is a human connection so some of this is like internal negative thoughts versus maybe expressing yourself like tell me about the idea of the hug itself yeah well the the, the imagery that we landed on um is a a, a, a torus or a toroidal field um and if you've been around any of the the energetic uh elect, even the electromagnetic studies of the field of the heart is that it, it would be drawn as a as a toroidal field of energy um and uh, so we played a little bit uh, with that to 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 get this characterization that we had and and it's really it is it is a a, a a shape that is familiar but as a character nobody's ever seen a hug before <laughs> i don't know anybody who's drawn a, a hug and and so we really didn't know how it was going to be received. I remember chatting to Alexis Aronson, the illustrator, and um, and and you know here we are now with this. There's 22 books in the Conscious Stories collection, and this is the stickiest book in the hands of the kids. It's mm -hmm. the one that that they just like go back to the most, and it's the one that they're all like, "Oh no, we can't have a stuck hug." Um, so somehow in the in the the drawing of it and and representing what what a hug is, it. Uh, um, uh, we've landed on some magic um, and in the in the hug factory uh, there's a lot to tour you can tour the hug factory on the on 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 youtube but um you know the the hugs get encoded with just the right amount of love and care to delight the heart that they're made for mm -hmm. and that starts to to bring, bring the question what what do you what do you like to put into your hugs and and also the hugs grow on the, on the, in the forest deep in the center of the heart. So it's like, wh wh who are you making hugs for? Mm -hmm. And, um, this has been delightful in story time with kids to, to see, you know, who they're growing hugs for, especially over COVID when we couldn't give the hugs and see the people. Um, but then it's also like, ah, oh, I'm putting jelly beans into my hug and I'm putting kindness into mine. And, and we had a, had a, a super fun moment with a, um, a kid who is very compassionate towards his uh, uh, towards the janitor in his school, and he said, "He said, I know the janitor loves fried chicken and cigarettes. So I'm going to make a fried chicken and cigarette hug for the janitor." <laughs> <laughs> nice. it, was, it, it was like, "Wow, okay, I'm not quite sure what to make of that, but I can see the the the, the care and the knowing of the other person that the, that they would give them something that that person might appreciate and value." There's a lot of stuff. I have a one-year-old now, so I'm reading a lot more children's books like every night, basically. There's a few things here that are just different in general. In addition to the type of story, the beginning, it says this book belongs to and it's crossed out is shared with uh, to write their name. And then each one also starts with a breathing meditation. Can you kind of walk me through some of the ideas you wanted in these books like this? Yeah, so the, the the snuggle breathing meditation is an attunement um, and regulation tool just with four simple breaths, uh, the breaths being I breathe for me, I breathe for you, I breathe for us, and I breathe for all that surrounds us. When we go through that and we do it together and we do it slower than I just rattle them off, 
um, there is an opportunity for your own system first to settle in as a as an the adult in the room. Um, that's the greatest gift that you can give to your little ones is your presence and and really taking a breath for yourself. My hand it goes to my heart automatically even when I when I start thinking of this. Um, it it's it just that ah. Oh, you know, and and you're experiencing, I bet, with your one-year-old already, what what it's like to to have to navigate bedtime transitions, um, and the uh, the contrast of your world and your work and your day and their world and what what they're interested in, um, and how we be, we begin to to become present with them. They're, they're, the the brain sciences that are, are teaching us about mirror neurons, teaching us about uh, regulation and attunement, um, and that that the best thing that we can do to um, to help our little ones relax is to model relaxation in our system, so that they get it as a transmission that is congruent with the language that you're using. So you can't go to bed at night and go go. Kids go to sleep. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like there's a, there's two channels talking to them. There's one saying saying excited and the other saying saying be calm and wind down. So we want to try and get that congruence um, through the through the breathing. Uh, the books also have a, an activity page at the end of each story. Um, those have been um, designed as kind of conversation starter. Uh, as you get older, you know, you kind of get get to, to chatting to little ones and saying, hey, how was your day at school or, or what did you do? And you don't get very much from them. Mm -hmm. um, but as you wind down uh, and climb into bed and you come alongside them with a book and a story and you're reading them, they, are, they will just become chatterboxes <laughs> and they will start to tell you all about the things they're thinking about their day. And I don't want as, uh, us to miss that moment um, because we didn't perhaps have the have a conversation starter that could could lead to some things. So in that book that we were talking about, when we ask kids if they've got any sticky thoughts that are blocking up their hug factory, um, they've got the language for that now from the story. They've just learned it by going through the story together. Um, and we hear from parents that that this is revealing. You know, kids are sharing things that are happening at school that are that were uncomfortable or, you know, playground bullying and things like that, 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 that they just wouldn't have known about. Um, but when we set up the question and just say, Hey, do you got any sticky thoughts? There's no pressure. And it's, and it's, um, and you've got an ally sitting next to you under the, under the, the comforter, um, uh, as you, as you read stories, it's, uh, storytelling and story time is a very unitive experience. Can you go into a little more detail about the last 20 minutes of the day? It's something kind of in the books here. You've done a TED talk about it as well, but there's, there's things beyond even what you've already said. Um, yeah, my fascination with it grew um, in part because I was looking at um, how my mornings start. And I noticed that if I was mindful in the, in the, in the last 20 minutes of the day, that my mornings started with a lot more ease and, um, and and less sort of like like heaviness um, in, in myself, and I started to question that and get curious about it. And there's so many things that are happening during sleep, um, but one of the big ones is that we're integrating our day and we're making sense of it. And if we've had a challenging experience during the day, uh, and you think for a, a kid who's three or four years old, they've only they've only lived a thousand days, um, and they have a, a challenging experience during the day. 
they they really want to make sure that they're safe and loved. This is what our entire mind body system is doing all the time. It's questioning what do I have to do to be safe and what do I have to do to to, to be loved, and that takes up a lot of energy and it takes up a lot of effort. Um, and then when we've got things that have, that that they're they're integrating and that have happened to them, but they're not yet able to to dialogue or talk about or bring to awareness, um, it means they carry those things alone. Mm -hmm. um, as they go into into sleep, and uh, if we can stir that a little bit, like if we can stir a painful moment of disconnection that's happened at the, at the start of the day, and we can add to it a beautiful, loving moment of connection um, where the body begins to feel its own safety and its own sense of welcome, and we do that just before sleep, there's eight hours of good things happening in the brain. Um, and in the body and in the integration of the day. If we don't, and if you've ever been to sleep on an argument with a, with a loved one, that, you know, you might have spent the, you know, the whole night arguing. You, you're asleep, but you're still arguing. You wake up in the morning and you're still, you're still inside yourself. You're still in that argument. And so, you know, you don't get the rest and you don't get the composure. And you certainly don't wake up into a confident state of being yourself. Whereas if we can, we can, end the last 20 minutes of the day with with love love connection safety and belonging then sleep is deeper and in the morning there's lots of space for this executive brain to come online with confidence and curiosity and enthusiasm for for for, for going out and being themselves so part of your goal in this book series is to help children that are kind of figuring these things out at, at a very early age but for those of us that have, are, are dealing with these previous traumas what advice might you have for those i mean is it talking with a spouse is it journaling how can you kind of identify your own native thoughts or sticky thoughts and have a better nighttime routine morning routine yeah it's a great question i mean and and the beauty of having kids is that whatever however much development we've done when we have our kids they then help us kind of wake up to ourselves as we relive our life through the through the lens of what it's like to to take care of them um, and so the books are are intergenerational in that regard that it's like something that we can um, you can you can use and get something from and I also want that for parents you know that that you can choose stories that are good for you um, as a way to model good things for your kids you you know you're allowed to do that <laughs> um, and then at the same time for yourself and it's like some of my practice in the evening is um, is journaling um, from a, a my journaling is not is not as much about gratitude, although a lot of people will do an evening gratitude practice. Um, I'm interested in satisfaction. I'm interested in the cellular embodied sense of of the things that I can feel satisfied about. Um, there's a there's a reason why this is good at the end of the day because you're at the end of a cycle of 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 creativity of of living you know, that started in the morning and that has made its way through the day. You've climbed the mountain of the day. And as you come back down, um, there are ways to look back and to notice, here's where I was today. These are the things that I did today. Um, and it's a reflection time where there's a bit of a bit of harvest um, from the day that says, you know, maybe good, bad and ugly. Um, and And at the same time, you were there and you were living no matter what, how things worked out. Mm. Um, uh, and to be able to see yourself um, with kindness in that and to be and to let the body begin to go, huh, yep, I went to gym, 
Um, I, uh, I, I looked after my little one. I, I went to work. Uh, I wasn't really productive, but I was there. And, um, and I can feel um, good, good enough about being myself. Mm. Um, and if we can let the body rest a little bit, um, it's, it's the same thing. Your one-year-old, you know, is doing, um, kids when, when they're, when they're young and when they're breastfeeding or, or, or at that young age, they just get to this moment of satisfaction. They're satiated from the eating and they, and they, they almost like fall asleep on the breast. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can see palpably the, how their body relaxes and, that's our birthright and we might still be working as adults to attend to the places we weren't allowed that as a kid or we didn't get it as a kid you know and and we we set up a nervous a nervous system that that was perhaps a little bit um, more tense or or high strung um and it's like we can start to bring that nervous system down and let it let it soften by um by coming into relaxation for some folks, that'll mean stretching on a yoga mat. Because for me, it's um, it's a, a journaling process. I'm doing a little bit of rocking here. I can't help that. That can be part of the body, just self-soothing. And try it. Just experiment with being kind in the last 20 minutes of the day and see see how you sleep and see how you wake up and um, and whether it it uh, uh, softens any of the gremlins that, that you know you or each of us may be individually facing. Do you have any, can you elaborate a little bit more maybe on being satisfied as a writer? Like one thing I talk to people I kind of work with is like focus on the process, not the results. That seems to be where people kind of beat themselves up the most. They didn't get enough words in for the day, but I kind of just tell them to maybe focus on how much time you set there, whether or not you were productive to kind of get started. But what is a satisfied writing day for you? Usually if I make it, if I make it to the keyboard, it's a satisfied writing day. Um, I still, and part of that is, part of that is prioritization of, you know, the various things that I have. And I think that we, we all struggle with, um, prioritizing our creativity. Uh, and very often it gets, um, relegated to, to further down the list of important when it's actually probably the most nourishing thing that we can do, um, to, to go to our, our deep interior and to be listening to our own thoughts and watching them emerge uh, out onto the, the screen of the page is, is, is such good medicine. Um, and, and so if I can, if I can prioritize that and then, and then be there, I, I don't have a, a number of words in my case, my, 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 my brain battery lasts as long as it lasts. And when it's out, it's out. There's not much I can do about that. Um, but if I can, it is also self-generating by being in the process, mm-hmm. um, that I can start to feel resourced and uh, find that zone where I lose track of time and, and, and I, and my, uh, my mesmeriz- mesmerization comes in at my own words. I'm like, where did these things come from? Who thought that? I mean, did I, was that me? That's amazing, you know. And particularly when I I have a practice of doing a, a seven minute poem, and I'll just set a timer and 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 an anchor word that might be spark or patience or whatever that word is, and just and just let the stirring happen. Mm. Um, I know that I have to find my way through um, the outer layers of of 
thinking before I really get to the sweet spot of of what's what valuable and what's on point. Mm. Um, and I know that I can do that faster if I'm more repetitive with my writing um, and 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 more dedicated to the practice of it. Um, but if I can look back over something I wrote and go, yes, it captured what I was thinking and feeling, and um, I like the, the the tone and the shape of it. Then it, it's uh, it's generally pretty satisfying for me. Um, also, know that you know that there's like I said, the one story, like the hug story, arrived fully formed. Some things don't arrive fully formed. Yeah, they need to be they need to be unfolded. Um, and it's like it's like a a flower that just needs the right amount of soil and water and sun and, and all the things, and and then all of a sudden it's right in front of you and it's open, but it's like it's being closed for um, for a long period of time. But it doesn't mean it hasn't had attention. So some patience is in in deeply engaged in this creative endeavor that we we choose to commit to. What was the uh, the first children's book you got published, and how did you kind of break in as a, as a children's author? Yeah, the first book I wrote is called A Little Light, and um, I didn't write it for anybody else. It was a poem that needed some pictures, and I chose a friend to um, help me put it together. It was made print on demand, and I did nothing with it for three or four years. I actually protected it from feedback because I wasn't really ready for people's opinion on it mm. and uh, then I, I had a couple more experiences like that where I just trusted my own uh, playfulness my own creative playfulness and that made um, the tree of goodness the fish who searched for water uh, which was originally titled the fish who nearly drowned in his search for water um, so <laughs> a bit macabre and and then the bee the bee who couldn't choose her flower and they were just they were just creative hobbies. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't yet n know wh what or who they were for. And as I as I got braver and started sharing them a little bit with people, I had uh, a lot of warmth and and receptivity and this kind of resonance come through where folks were saying, "Oh, that really touches me." And wow, I wish I'd had that when I was younger. Or um, this is perfect. I know who it's for. And in the uh, when I when I moved across to the states and from South Africa, two thousand and fifteen, I at that stage had been to the Frankfurt Book Fair. I had investigated the industry. I'd done some strategy, and I thought um, I'm just going to come to America and start this business. And uh, uh, I mean, every every good business uh, has a lot of naivety at the start because <laughs> you don't quite know what it's going to take. But I learned uh, I learned how to print books overseas and and set up at farmers markets and just started the process and so it was a combination of, of bootstrapping it and and books in the garage and and uh, local community and um, finding my way and uh, the the books are still um, self published it's still an internal business but we kind of we've outgrown the typical. Um, uh, self-published author, you know, the best seller sells 3000 books. Um, and, and we, you know, we've got over 150,000 books sold and, um, and distribution in Canada and Australia and, um, and US and UK. So, uh, there's, it's, 
it's been a, a slow moving um, a process and, and publishing is a long game. Um, what I what I like about these books and the, the way that we've made them in hardcover is that they'll be around for 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 fifteen years. There's no no reason not to. I've actually seen a book that's been passed down through generations, you know, close to one hundred and ten years. So um, I, my hope is to to make a meaningful impact over a long period of time, um, as our kind of human awareness and mindfulness is. It's still very young yeah. in 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 considering psychological and and mindfulness and social emotional learning and and bringing that from the adults to the kids is still very new um so we're just here as a resource for 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 a long a long season was there any um additional help with like the accountability of partnering with illustrators did that kind of make it more real i'm, I'm curious what might if you were ever um not believing in yourself, what kind of pushed you forward early on? Well, as, as I said, I started by protecting the first book and not sharing it. And then there is a, there is a there is a threshold in all creative projects that needs to be crossed where your idea comes from your internal world to the external world, and you and you kind of whether you like it or not, there's this mirroring that happens in the world. The world looks at what you've created, and they they frown or they smile or they laugh and they do whatever they do. And we have to begin to metabolize that, um, that feedback. Um, for, for me, I think that, I think that this, there's, it's an act of courage to be creative and to be willing to share. Um, and uh, I, I remember hearing a, a, one of, one of my speech coaches along the years say to me, the moment you get your recording of your talk, sit down and watch it 10 times in a row. Because you want to buffer through all of that negative voice stuff that goes, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And in this moment, this, da, 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 da. and because those, those, um, I call those echoes, um, those echoes from my childhood are really just there to try and keep us safe. But, but the true safety is, is, is what we're going to discover by continuing to create more and to share more of what it is that, um, that we're, that we're putting out. Uh, I mean, I had, Terrible grammar in my early books. I had punctuation things that 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 were questionable. Some of my storylines were like like really just just by by you know twenty two books later I can go oh geez that really was that was that any good that first one and then and and then I've also got to trust that because I hear from folks regularly who whose favorite stories are some of my earliest uh, and I'm like oh okay I got to get out of the way of myself here. Um, and, and if you, if you're a, a sort of a, a creative, um, fountain like I am, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to have something blocking the fountain that hasn't been put out into the world. I want to finish it and I want to put it out so the next thing can come up and can come through and out and get the breathing time that it, it needs. Mm. And so there's a certain encouragement just to keep that momentum and, 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 let let the world respond don't worry too much about it that was great where can uh we kind of mentioned youtube and a few other places but where can people kind of what's the best place to follow you or order your books from yeah consciousstories.com is uh is the website um and uh the handles on on insta and facebook are conscious bedtime stories um and that's really the easiest place you can connect with me to do that as well um, my 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 adult work around creativity is still emerging. Doesn't yet have a 
a home, um, but it's coming. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.